0: Welcome to Registry Report Radio. My name is Michael McKay, and we will be talking tonight with Elizabeth Christensen. Now, Elizabeth is the CEO at registryreform.org. She's an advocate for children, civil rights, and registry reform. She's a paralegal, a psychology major, a parent of a wrongfully convicted person on the registry, and She is the newest member of the Registry Report radio broadcast team. So welcome, Elizabeth. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you.
0: Well, we're glad to have you both today for this interview, but also as a member of the team. We want to do this broadcast as a way to introduce you to the listeners. And so maybe you can help us out by telling us a little bit about yourself.
1: All right. I am from Mississippi and I'm a mother of three beautiful kids, biologically a mother of eight in total, a grandmother to ten, wife of a retired lieutenant colonel and a registry reform advocate.
0: Super a grandmother of how many did you say?
1: Ten. <laughs>
0: Holy moly. No T V in your house. I their their house, I guess. <laughs> Uh, Tell me, tell us a little bit about how you became a registry reform advocate. I mean, it's not a it's not a thing that somebody just typically wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I think I'll become an advocate for meaningful reform of the registry today. How did you come to that path?
1: You know what? You're right. It, It wasn't something that I just woke up and decided to do. I was a victim of child molestation, and I got my start at being a child advocate at the age of 16, volunteering for a local child and family crisis center. And then a couple of years back, it took a more personal note. Really, I had never even heard of the sex offender registry, with the exception of two occasions on the news. Never really thought much about it. But due to my own life experiences, from an early age, I knew that that was something that I had to do to advocate on behalf of of abused and neglected children.
0: How did you transition from that to becoming an advocate for people on the registry?
1: Well, it started about two years ago. There was a SWAT team at my house at six in the morning.
0: Wow. A SWAT team. Literally a SWAT team, huh?
1: Yes. Literally a SWAT team. My dad was a cop for 28 years, and I remember sitting on my front lawn in handcuffs now in my neighborhood back then there was only one road in and one road out and i'd lived in this neighborhood for 10 to 12 years everybody knew everybody and and i'm sitting there in my underwear in handcuffs on my front lawn thinking This has got to be a colossal mistake. There are over 20 officers there, 10 police cars, and they have to think that we're ISIS or some big drug cartel or something to have this much force. I mean, pulling my daughter out of her bed at gunpoint, throwing them to the floor, putting them in handcuffs, front yard in our underwear. It it was just unreal. I was just shocked.
0: Wow. Turns out they were there about your son. Is that right?
1: Correct. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently, there was a a download, you know, and at the time I didn't know, and I'm just speaking from what I know now, is that there was a download that occurred in January. And uh, the contents had child pornography images embedded deep within, you know, deep within the file. And Google goes through their users' iCloud storage, I guess, their file storage, Mm -hmm. and tries to match it with hash values. And so that's when they tipped off law enforcement officials that my son had possession.
0: I see. And so he is currently a a registrant? Is that so?
1: That's correct.
0: Okay. Was that the primary motivation for you or were there other factors involved?
1: Oh, there were, yeah, there were a lot of other factors. I didn't realize that at the time I had only been under the same assumptions and beliefs that everyone on the sex offender registry is a dangerous individual that we should all be very afraid to come in contact with. And from my own experience, gaining that knowledge, that simply wasn't true. It's like, oh my goodness. And how easily obtainable this material is on the internet that parents and kids don't know about.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So once you decided that you wanted to fight this fight, become an advocate for people on the registry, what roadblocks did you run into? What were some of the challenges that you found?
1: Well, beyond just personal challenges, Watching your child go through something that's so horrific, and nobody will listen to you. Nobody believes you. Nobody gives you the benefit of the doubt that something so easily attainable could could be innocent. And law enforcement blocking every effort to prove your innocence. The day after I bailed my son out, we all immediately started getting phone calls on our cell phones, which are not published generally, Mm -hmm. trying to extort money from him, making threats, saying that they would go to law enforcement, make up stories if he didn't come up with $5,000, and speaking with school officials that would allow his continued attendance to get an education. Goodness, there's just a myriad of things, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. So what have you learned in the last couple of years going down this path that you would offer to other people who feel... Strongly, that they should do something to, to change the way society treats people in the registry or change the laws. What would you offer them as advice?
1: You know what? Get your voice back. A lot of these things that, that happen to people, once they fall under suspicion or are charged with it, uh, that's intended to take away your voice and to intimidate you to be quiet because you become the other And that's what they want, is for you to become the other and you to be silent. Don't let them do that. Speak up to anybody and everybody that you can, of course, at the appropriate time, you know, and in the appropriate way.
0: A lot of it is designed to make you want to keep your head down, stay under the radar, stay invisible. It's extremely scary for someone on the registry to step forward, step up, make their voice heard. But one person can make a difference, don't you think so?
1: Oh, I absolutely believe that. A couple of weeks ago, I went to a criminal justice reform conference and was able to speak with a representative. And it was surprising how open he was to listen. And again, today, a local politician here in Florida was able to convince him of some reasons that maybe his support wasn't the right thing to do.
0: I got a peek at how he responded to you, and that was really inspiring because a lot of these politicians will lend their support to a bill without even reading the bill. And, and if they do read it, a lot of the times they don't fully comprehend the unintended consequences of the bill. Are you willing to talk a little bit about this particular, uh, you don't have to name the politician, but about this particular bill and how it would have affected people People in terms of, of having unintended consequences?
1: Yeah, sure. So this particular politician was in support of Lauren Book's new bill here in Florida with the intention of putting prostitutes and johns on a, another registry, creating a whole new registry. Maybe a lot of listeners aren't aware of the Michigan's Attorney General amicus brief, but I just simply said, wait a minute. You're calling this common sense, this proposal common sense, and it's it's anything but. And let me tell you the reasons why. He had an amazingly shocking reaction. He said, wow, mm-hmm. I didn't understand that. I totally didn't get it, but thank you for pointing that out. You saved me from doing something dumb, which would be support of this bill.
0: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't that proposal or that proposed bill make hotel employees criminally liable if they didn't report possible sex trafficking? Was that the gist of it or did I get that wrong?
1: Well, yeah, it wouldn't make the employees criminally liable. It would make the hotel, it would usher in a fine of $1,000 per employee for anyone who didn't report it.
0: Holy cow. And by reporting it, they didn't have to physically witness sex trafficking. It was any sign of sex trafficking, at least as they perceived it. Is that Right. right?
1: Yeah. And, and like I said to him, do we really expect for these employees to be sophisticated like we expect from law enforcement? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. There have been several articles published in the news media recently asking people or encouraging people to be aware of the so-called signs of sex trafficking. Uh, and most of them were just ridiculous. For example, an older man with a younger woman, it's a sign of sex trafficking. To expect a hotel employee to... To literally pick up the phone and call the police and say, hey, there's a person checking into the hotel here, much older than the woman he's with. You know, you should come right away. It's almost ludicrous to the point of being farcical. So, yeah, but you were able to get him to to see the light.
1: Yes, and he apologized profusely, stating that was his job as an elected official to fully vet the bill that he finds to be counterproductive and totally ridiculous. I I was just going to add to your comment. There's a 21-year age difference between my husband and I. And, in fact, right after we got married and bought our first home, the loan officer, when I walked into the office, said, Oh, and is this your lovely daughter? I mean...
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know,
1: it, and my kids have, my dad did construction and he built holiday inns all across the country and always took some grandkids with him. I mean, think about how many times we would have to call the police on spouses or grandkids staying in a hotel room with family members. It's it's mm-hmm. absurd.
0: Right. Now, you've also been involved in an effort to get people to send letters and, and comments to a, a political committee in Florida. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how that works and how it's working for you.
1: Well, like I said, I I went to a criminal justice reform seminar sort of a couple of weeks ago. And when I talked to the representative about the technical violation and the lifelong restrictions that could send someone back to prison, he was mortified, simply said, can you put something together? Nobody's ever brought this to my attention. This is completely under my radar. And so, yeah, I put together a presentation and invited a few others to also add commentary and valid scientific research that shows that the sex offender registry is just out of control and doesn't offer anyone any safety. It's just someone's worst nightmare. And you don't know it Mm -hmm. until you're caught up in it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that most of our elected representatives are just people, just like you and I. They're not experts on the things that they vote on. They depend on people like us and, unfortunately, people unlike us to educate them on what some of these pending bills mean. And if we don't speak up, then the only voices that they hear are going to be the people who want to burn us all at the stake. To, to push a tough on crime, tough on sex offenders sort of agenda. And we don't expect them to be entirely sympathetic to us, but we do expect and want them to hear both sides of the argument before they make a decision. And if we keep our heads down, we try to stay under the radar and, and don't speak up.
1: Um, and I and I started thinking about that today from the local politician who said, I, I didn't realize what this bill said. I didn't realize what this bill meant. And mm-hmm. it even goes further than that. The, We look at these politicians and say, Well, that's their job. Well, yeah, but we can't really expect them to be educated in every aspect of every law and every bill and every proposal. So the responsibility does fall back to us to say, Hey, wait a minute, you are really overlooking this. And this is a huge problem. And let me share with you why. And instead of going in in an aggressive manner because we're so traumatized and violated by these laws, we should give our lawmakers the benefit of the doubt that maybe they don't know better. And instead of going in so aggressively, just say, okay, and give them the opportunity, share the facts, and then give Mm -hmm. them the opportunity to respond.
0: Right. I'm assuming that your son is no longer incarcerated. Is that so? That's correct. Okay. Has he expressed any desire to become an advocate or is he letting mom do all the the, uh, (laughs) heavy lifting here?
1: Oh, no, absolutely. He, um, <laughs> what got him into trouble, and I'll just be brief about it, but he was recognized by state senator for having the highest test scores in the entire state and was offered many great opportunities for near-perfect ASVAB score. And he was pointing his attention to Internet technology, and that's why I say that's what got him into trouble. Is He was just rampantly exploring everything out there. And this book came up and said, 25 free computer books, download today. Oh, he just consumes information. He, he's such mm-hmm. a smart kid.
0: You just went through a, a thing where he was accepted at a university and then rejected almost immediately after. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how that went down. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he was did into a college and signed up for classes, paid for them. And within days of attending, they called him into admission or the administration office and said, well, there's a problem. You don't have internet access. Just sign back on to the website and reschedule your classes. You'll be good. A couple weeks went by. He regained internet access, went back onto the internet. There's no record of him. Called for weeks. No one called back. So he went into the college, and they said, well, Wait a minute, we're not so sure about this. You're going to have to go to a hearing. And so he thought, okay. They just wanted to ask him questions about what happened. And and he'll freely share it with anybody. And I'm so proud of him for being open about it. At any rate, he went to the hearing, and there was a police officer there and a couple of administration staff or whatever. And they said, okay. They just completely humiliated him, rude and just awful. And then he came back home and he waited. And then he received a letter saying, well, even though adjudication of guilt had been withheld, even though your crime wasn't violent, you still have as much a smear on your record. And and by Florida Statute 1001.648A, we have the privilege and the right to turn anyone away that we feel like wouldn't put our college in the best light. So they denied him. But back to your original question, yeah, he's very motivated to make a change. He is keeping his head low because he's been warned to because it's a dangerous situation if you speak up. But he is currently attending a college, and I won't name it, and working on his bachelor's with an intent to go to law school.
0: Super. We're welcoming you as one of our newest hosts on Registry Report Radio. Uh, This will give you an opportunity to get on the air every week with us and interview other guests. What are are some of your goals in becoming a broadcaster advocate, so to speak?
1: No, I, I just want to instill hope in people who are caught up in this awful gulf of misery. I want them to find their voice. I want them to know that people care and support them, and I want them to know that their voice is important, that they can make a change, and it's okay. Take one step at a time. Do what you can do, but don't ever stop fighting for your rights to be a human and regain your dignity.
0: That's great advice. Well, I just want to thank you so much for not only being my guest on this episode, but for being a co-host on pretty much all of our upcoming episodes. You'll get a chance to talk to some great people as well. And I also want to let our listeners know that at least in follow-up episodes of Registry Report Radio, you'll actually be able to call in and ask our hosts or ask our guests questions of your own or, or make comments of your own. We'll also have an online chat room for those of you who have a Blog Talk Radio account, which you can get for free at blogtalkradio.com. So we have... A lot of great shows planned for you. Next week, we'll be talking to Mary Sue Molnar, who is the Executive Director of Texas Voices for Reason and Justice. She's an amazing lady, and she has accomplished so much at the helm of that organization. But I'm especially excited about asking her what she's been doing the last couple of weeks as a lobbyist in Austin, Texas. She's also has some great successes to report to us. So I I'm excited. How about you, Elizabeth? Excited about being on the show?
1: Oh, I'm very excited and excited about you and our other hosts and... And just really grateful for the opportunity.
0: Oh, that that reminds me. I do do want to mention our other hosts. In addition to Elizabeth Christensen, we have also Shauna Baldwin, who appeared in the award-winning documentary Untouchable. If you have not seen the documentary, you can at least see an excerpt on our website. And that's at registryreportradio.wordpress.com. You can see the video featuring Shauna Baldwin. And she also has become an outspoken advocate, and we want to give her a platform uh, to do that with. And our other host is Dwayne Daughtry, who is a blogger at Subjective Belief and uh, working towards a PhD in social policy. So we are all excited about the show. Uh, we hope that you will get excited about it and join us at least by listening every week But even better, you can call in, participate with your questions, comments, and even in our chat room. So welcome aboard. This has been a bonus episode introducing Elizabeth to all of you and getting us started, hopefully, on the right foot. My name is Michael McKay. This is Registry Report Radio, and we thank you for listening.